A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The second time it's gone off. Never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's. Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. The news we revealed on Friday's podcast that Ken Early is away on holidays this week appears to have finally lit a fire under the FAI who have reportedly begun calling unsuccessful candidates for the Republic of Ireland manager's job. Presumably they wouldn't be making those calls unless they already have their man. But the way this managerial search has been going, who knows? Welcome to Monday's Second Gavin's Football Podcast. Hey, Murph. Hey, Owen. How's it going? Hey, Brano. Hey, Owen. Gavin Cooney and Dion Fanning will be with us as well. Play the music, Simon. This whole show is basically one of these. Excuse me for interrupting you, John. I hate to do this. He didn't turn up for the first match. Hang on, hang on a minute. Did he get to the Euros? Did he get to the Euros, Ken? Because he was doing a gig for the BBC's holiday programme. It's the best thing in the world for you because it's full of protein. It looks around. Jerry Duff. Duff Why were you giving him the job then? Hang on, sorry. Okay, sorry, John. Go if you got him. to the Euros, do you uh, think you're going to get to the Euros? Stephen Kenny, Ken. There was an update of sorts on Saturday when I tried to reassert my kingmaker status, which mm. I felt was slipping away from me, so I tried to reassert it. On well, we all thought on. It was a last grasp <laughs> for power. And I, I appreciated it. We'll talk about the title race right after my latest attempt to drag some information out of Neil Lennon on the Republic of Ireland manager's job. Here we go again, Neil. Three weeks ago, you told us the process was ongoing. So any updates for us today? Yeah, I'm aware that there's going to be a decision imminent, whether that be today, tomorrow or in the next couple of days. What that decision is, Owen, uh, I don't know myself, but um, I'm pretty sure that there'll be a, a result pretty soon. So you... Do you not know the decision or you're just not telling us the decision? No, I don't know the decision as yet. I presume for whoever gets the job that the next game is five weeks away. So the sooner the better for whoever the manager is to get their feet under the table, pick squads, all that stuff. Yeah, I think so. And to get out and watch players live and, you know, just... Yeah, so a lot of people people saw that clip and assumed by Lennon's jovial demeanour that he knew he had the gig. He had a bit of a smile on his face. Mm. That's just the people were hoodwinked by our on-air... It's just our our on-air rapport. Okay. That's that's what people are being hoodwinked by there. No, I, I think he genuinely didn't know at that point. It must be a bit hard to come on TV every weekend or every second weekend yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I've got that job that I keep being touted about. Yeah. Well, that's, to be honest, I was, yeah, exactly. It's also getting, the three weeks ago, as I mentioned there, yeah. I was asking the same questions. Like, it's madness that three weeks later he still didn't know and, well, possibly doesn't know, but by yesterday afternoon it was reported that Lennon had got the call, not the news he was hoping for, Mark McCadden in the Mirror writing FAI Director of Football Mark Canham on Sunday began the process of contacting candidates who had not been successful. Neil Lennon, long considered second choice to Lee Carsley, is now out of contention, according to that report. Within hours, a new name was emerging as a strong front runner. Mm-hmm. Multiple journalists reporting that Chris Coleman, the man who led Wales to the semi-finals of Euro 2016 and whose late father was from Eastwall in Dublin, is now the favourite for the job. By the way, Ken is away. This is for that might be a bombshell for our Monday, mm. our Monday only listeners. I did mention it on Friday's Listen, podcast. We had no option. We had to send him away. Yeah, we ju- we can't keep uh, looking for uh, a new manager for the Ireland football team. We just we had to get him out of the country. Chris Coleman was also on TV at the weekend. Yeah, in Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur. 
Oh yeah. He was with uh, Gary Stevens and former Dublin City midfielder uh, Carlton Palmer. I <laughs> don't know if they asked him was he taking the Ireland job. Ken's thoughts on Coleman for the Ireland job. I'm going to say no. I, I'm actually going to go as far as to say a strong no. Yeah, he's not. He's not excited. If about he has it. the job by this time next week, then Ken will be back on air to give you his thoughts. But uh, I think Ken's reaction is the same as a lot of people online, prompting Coleman's son to come out swinging. Bruno? Yeah, no, this is quite good. Like a couple of weeks ago, uh, like we've been talking about this for what three months, but a couple of weeks ago, Ken basically outlined, uh, you know, all of this the Ireland job the Ireland team qualification it all is just like meant to be just a bit of fun at the end of the day and uh, you know and you know so you're kind of like oh Roy Keane that would be a lot of fun press conference etc but I think uh, Coleman and the Coleman family uh, made a really good push for last night that the, if a Coleman reign is to happen that that could also be a lot of fun they'd be the fun faction <laughs> yeah. that Irish football yeah. so desperately needs yeah. so his son uh, Sonny okay yeah uh, aptly named as yep. a son, Sonny Coleman is on Twitter. He um, uh, he works for uh, a fo- he's a football consultant at the UK's largest independent multi-sport agency, World in Motion. Uh, so basically, he's a football agent. Um, so Stephen Stephen Doyle put out a screen grab last night uh, with a tweet. Chris Coleman is Chris Coleman's last three managerial jobs and points per game stats: Boat, Hybe uh, down in China, and. Atromitos in Greece were in relegation trouble when he left. Sonny replies, Atromitros, I don't know if he talks like this, he took over a team, eight points adrift, kept them up that season, sold all assets, spent zero money, came eight, then after that, full stop, resigned when they came, when they cut the budget. Hybe, have them best finish in history, sixth, season after budget, chopped in half. Stephen Doyle replies, I do my homework. Sonny replies, do it better. Then there's a bit of other kind of random Welsh football fans getting involved and then Sonny who seems actually like a nice guy he comes back and he goes apologies for knee jerk I sometimes feel I have to jump in because context is often overlooked Stephen who is I know from personal experience a nice guy replies with no problem at all so this is these two guys are single handedly saving X from the yeah. morass that's falling into this is just good honest good natured debate they chatted out one lad's dad and it ends with both of them going yeah, yeah okay, I respect cool. your opinion. I, I I disagree, but I respect your opinion on yeah. Chris Coleman's status. Yeah. Um, can I just read a little bit from an Athletic article from 2019? Just because Stephen brought up Coleman's time in China. Um, I think it's good to just to read out a bit of uh, Coleman's uh, perspective mm-hmm. or his, because, you know, Sonny wants context and everything. So this is the, the context from the, the mouth of Chris Coleman. So he's talking to Laurie Whitwell in The Athletic back in 2019. Laurie says it's a rare Coleman interview. He says, um, I led Hybe out of relegation zone to a sixth-place finish. When the window opened, he lined up a couple of transfers worth 50 million combined. Quote, we had big players coming to us, he says. I'd met them with their agents and officials from our club. There, done. Then, right at the last minute, the club said, sorry, we can't pay the money, we're scaling back. They'd spent a quarter of a billion in eight years' existence. Just concentrate on the young ones and the identity of the club, they said. We don't care if you're relegated. I remember pulling Kit, Tony and Adam there as backroom team, and I said, we're in trouble. This is going to go arse up quickly. Coleman lost six players. Five were sold, and our goalkeeper did his cruciate. He was out for a year. Coleman was dismissed from Highby, winning only one of their first nine games this season. He says, I remember in one press conference they said, it's the worst start in the club's history. I went, club's history? I've got socks older than this club. I was trying to have a laugh with them, but it didn't go down well at all. So, you know, that's the context Sonny's Sonny's looking for. So that's Coleman's time in China. I do look forward to Coleman's interaction with Irish supporters if things go south. I expect many more clips from Sunderland Until I Die season one. My memory of it is I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it since. A, a lot of sunny side up Chris Coleman positivity yeah. being brought to the table and that quickly being chewed up and spat out by the. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of that um, is Sunderland. meeting the backroom team, the tea lady, etc. Yes, yeah. everyone that I've mentioned or that Chris Coleman has been mentioned in dispatches around me with have met, have said, "Have you watched Sunderland till I die?" We can't get Chris Coleman. There, those two things have gone hand in hand. I have not watched Sunderland till I die. No, I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember the other one I remembered was Aidan McGeady not really having him, and we've dug up one of the clips from McGeady. I've had managers before they come in and go go crazy. 
he just kind of like comes in and it's oh, this that you know we could have done this better and it's just then right sound move on just kind of an acceptance of that's an acceptance of that that's okay coming to train a couple of days later everyone's laughing and joking it's like we just could be seen our home you know T- to be fair to, to Coleman and the prick bit they had just been relegated he like if you watch it uh, in the clip like he's signing an autograph for a kid and yeah, then, yeah you know yeah. some man you know in his like 40s or whatever comes and starts like having a pop at him. and he's having a pop back ah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like, um, you know that the, I, I I don't want to rule him out as Irish manager because of that <laughs> I wouldn't rule him yeah. out of our, our, the, being the Ireland manager based on his appearance in the Sunderland documentary every character and I'm going to call them characters comes across as ridiculous there's something about that club I don't know and there's a new series out at the moment isn't yeah, there Yeah, must get across that one but listen it's more about his record which as uh, Wales manager was unbelievable even allowing for the fact he had a particularly good footballer in his squad at the time Gareth Bale was it? yeah Gareth Bale yeah, was yeah. the man yeah I still think it's an achievement to get a team of Wales' size to a European semi-final it's been a bit patchier club wise certainly since then you listed some of the clubs that he's been with and yeah eight managerial jobs well. lasted two years or less overall yeah you know his time at Real Sociedad I think that came after Fulham um, his entrance actually into managerial uh, world is, is is quite interesting. He's a uh, you know he's he was a centre half with uh, Swansea and Crystal Palace. He's in the Crystal Palace uh, team of the century. He's in the Crystal Palace game when Cantona Kung Fu kicks your man in the head. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's playing in that game. Well, in the chest to be accurate, in the, in the and chest. then he punches okay. him in the head. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <old. laughs> Thank you man. Um, so on the would I like to have a point with Chris Coleman? I yeah. think that would that would be good to have a point with him around um, but he got, he's at Fulham um, but he's involved in a in an awful car crash he's driving his Jag and basically uh, crashes into a load of trees and fence or whatever uh, the fibre guy takes like an hour to, to pull him out of the car and it's but then literally two years just over two years later he's standing on the sideline as the as the then youngest Premier League manager in history 32 he's taken over from John Tigna at Fulham mm. uh, and he's there for like four seasons and I, I think he does a kind of quite like he, he Laurie Sanchez comes in and takes over but he does quite a respectable L- job sort of mid lower mid table yeah ninth is the yeah. highest finish sort of 13th that kind of keeps, thing keeps them up to begin with with five games to go and stuff like that so you know that's a good foundation for a managerial career you think mm. After that, it's like, it's not great until the Wales job hits. Like, it's it's Coventry where he's dismissed. It's uh, down in Greece at AEL where, and again, and Sonny wants context, uh, they go into like total financial, you know, so he, he kind of go he, he he resigns from there like a week before taking the, the Wales job. Um, Wales is obviously the high point. Uh, Gareth Bale is playing for Wales. James McLean kind of loses him his job with his goal. I suppose people also remember... Uh, the Ireland Wales tuss- like Ireland Wales kind of built up a bit of tension around that time. Remember the co- the, the other Coleman leg break? The, oh, on on Seamus, yeah, when Seamus on Seamus, leg is broken yeah. By I remember that was yeah. that was a rough game, and uh, obviously, you know, uh, Chris Coleman didn't condone it around like that in post match, but he did say, you know, all the Irish players weren't wearing halos today either. You know, so it, it is odd that Coleman Seamus is still around the camp, and you know, that's that's a, a, kind of an odd, an odd scenario. Seamus Coleman strikes me as the kind of person who would. Get over that. If he yeah, felt Chris yeah, Coleman yeah. was the right manager for the job, I think he, he'd suck it up, yeah. to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I don't, I don't think that would be an issue necessarily. You know, he was defending his team. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not. It was a British derby. Yeah. That, you, oh, look, that's yeah. fine. Whatever. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're not, we're not angry about Chris Coleman perhaps getting this job because he called us a British team. Yeah. Well, not entirely. Either. Busy week ahead for Irish football. Manchester City and Liverpool are both playing Premier League during the week as well. So to hear all our football coverage, make sure you're signed up to the World Service and secondcaptains.com for just a five or a month plus fat. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. 
Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. McLean is there. Williams is going to get there first. Oh. So good. See what I mean about him, Rob. See what I mean about that lad. He is so, so indisciplined. But he's going to be the hero for Ireland. Just, that is the guy we should have got at at this game. Little niggles at him. If I was in that Wales dressing room, whoever was closest to McLean, you say, absolutely get inside this fella's head. Poke away at him. See where the weak spots are. McLean's our man. It's all duck or no dinner now. we got to just go and win the game now. All duck or no dinner. Duck for dinner, grown up. Rarely had duck. Nearly three months on from the announcement that Stephen Kenny's contract would not be renewed, we are still dragging Dion Fanning and Gavin Cooney in to talk about who his successor might be. Hey, fellas. How's it going? Chris Coleman, anyone? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> that mass, sounds positive. Uh, uh, mass welcome and encouragement um, for Chris Coleman across the country. Um, yeah, look, I don't know if Coleman's going to get the job, but they have definitely spoken with him. Mm. Um, I think Coleman was, was pretty optimistic that he would get it a couple of weeks ago. It seemed to, to fade in the last couple of weeks, but perhaps it's back on the table given Lee Carsey is clearly the first choice, but they seemingly can't get that over the line. So if not, it seems um, Coleman is definitely a contender. Chris Coleman is a man who brought a shall we say, a similarly sized football nation to the semi-finals of a major tournament not too long ago, Dion. So why do I sense silence from you and mostly <laughs> negativity from people online? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's a good point um, in that like, the, the, the response to that is that Gareth Bale probably got them to the semi-final. But again, you know, maybe Ireland are reaching up, you know, Evan Ferguson's recent you know how things have gone recently with Brighton doesn't suggest uh, that he is immediately going to take the Gareth Bale kind of role, but you know we're we're still we're we're always believing that if we've got one great player we can actually do something. So maybe that's you know that's where Chris Coleman comes in, but I don't think uh, I don't think his I don't think his his record in general as a manager is something that would excite people and I think when you look at what the FAI said they wanted their head coach to be and this idea of what the head coach was going to be um, and you know specifically referring to head coach rather than manager it's hard to see how you end up with from that description with Chris Coleman Mm. Um, and you talk about I would uh, yeah I would like and you and you wonder when they decided not to renew Stephen Kenny's contract. Now everyone knows that every, most people feel that it had, had had reached the end of the end of the line. But when 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 they decided to do that, what were they what were they thinking was going to happen next? Like what what were they planning? Everybody knows in football that most of the time, you 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 whatever, whenever you make a move, you you really have it. You have you have you have somebody lined up. You have some sort of strategy lined up for what you're going to do. Now, did they think that Lee Carsley was going to take? They knew what salary they were going to offer Lee Carsley or what money they had. Did they think he would take it for that? But it it doesn't seem like a well thought out plan. And I'm still I'm still I still don't believe it will be Chris Cohen because I think they are also conscious of how it's going to play and. I feel that maybe we're we're being led down a Chris Coleman shaped path. Uh, 
I don't know what the, I don't know what the I don't know what the what the what the what the surprise is at the end of that sentence. Well, that's but, the point, yeah. You know, because at this stage, I don't see of any of the contenders that are being Stephen mentioned. Stephen Kenny, <laughs> <laughs> anyone really jumping out as that? Ah, you thought it's actually going to be. Well, Roy Keane actually would be yeah. the one out, out of all those, but it doesn't sound like that has gone anywhere at all. So yeah, they, they, they might be worried about the pure. At this stage, it sounds like whoever is appointed, it's going to be an underwhelming appointment. Yeah, it, it, um, it probably will, especially if they if they can't get Carsley done. Um, I think Dion's right. The, the, there are actually a few things, in my opinion, that are kind of to Chris Coleman's credit. Okay, his run with Wales. Um, you can, uh, as his as his son on Twitter was saying yeah. last night, you, you can split hairs about his record at club level, um, but you can't argue with his record at international level. And he did, obviously, do a really good job there. He's done things at Wales like uh, bring it, cap teenagers just so they don't affect to countries like Ireland with Ethan Ampadu. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's uh, that should be in the job description for the Irish manager. But his appointment would make absolutely no sense if you judge the FAI by what they want for the role because he's not a head coach. You know, he, he's he's seen as more of a traditional manager. And that's before you get into the, the whole other realm of the, you know, Venables doing a job in the BBC holiday programme style issues like him being late for a press conference at Real Sociedad because he'd been out to 5am the night before. Um, but it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the faulty washing machine had been the initial excuse for that. Yeah, that, that, that ironically didn't wash that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but it makes no sense that for the FBI to appoint a, a guy who's primarily a manager when they're looking for a head coach so that would then bring more exactly like Dion says when they're worried about PR and impression that actually asks questions not of the guy who's been appointed but of the people who are appointing them Yeah is is this just like a bargaining tool with Lee Carsey just to say right okay we actually do have people who are <laughs> interested very, in this It's not a very good one No Like if you're Lee Carsey you're saying well actually my price has just gone up Yeah If yeah, Chris Coleman is your alternative I mean uh, Yeah I mean oh, uh, oh, no, Don't go give it oh, you know, Don't give yeah. it to Chris Coleman Well <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the idea here I suppose would be that at the moment, Lee Carsey is the only name that anyone has any interest in. And, like, it's not going to go away until someone else is hired, you know, because at the moment we're hearing Carsey's definitely out. Carsey maybe isn't out. Carsey has salary concerns. Like, until we actually give this to someone, it's Lee Carsey's to turn down. So, like, if I was the FEI, I would be at least trying to say, well, we do have other options. We are investigating other options. And Chris Coleman is literally the best name they can come up with to say that. You know, we're not completely devoid of ideas here. You but, know, although I'm, we're, yeah, I, I'm, I'm Mark Bloody Canham, you know, and I get paid a lot of money to come up with uh, Chris insightful, you know, uh, uh, left field suggestions like Chris Coleman for this job, Lee. So, you know, we're going to be just fine without you. Yeah, it's it's you've you've, you've you know you've done well there, Murph. To well, I mean, construct an I, argument. I don't know, like something, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, but I, we, I, have, we are talking about Chris Coleman here. Like, you know, I think we do have to show a little bit of uh, you know left field thinking here. But yeah, I, yeah. The only thing is, is Chris Coleman like he is his left field in the sense that you know everyone is going, geez, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Oh you no, know, no, but it's no, not. The left field thinking is for me. I mean, the, you know, like Chris Coleman was in the has been in the betting for the last like probably two or three uh, Irish manager hires, including think, this one. To be honest, yeah. isn't this one throughout, but it's been mentioned a few times, but never to the point that we really bother bringing up his name. I don't think. And just on Coleman, because there there are those bigger questions about the process, and I want to ask about Lee Carsey and where that's at at the moment. But the the okay, he had Gareth Bale. Fine. People always say he had Bale and Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey was a good footballer, no better than lots of footballers and lots of other teams. Gareth Bale was a once in a generation footballer he was incredible but I mean Norway have Erling Haaland at the moment and can't get to even get into a major tournament let alone get to the semi-finals so in the one comparable job he did brilliantly so is that not enough to suggest he could do brilliantly but in this job you, nobody knows like this is the thing like you could uh and again, when you say you we're, we're being dragged in again to talk about this, like this is the point we we keep making is you know, do you want a manager who you get excited about? And I think the last time I was in talking about this, we made the point about getting excited about Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane, and then realizing I think for the first friendly when against Latvia or whoever it was that actually they're just going to be standing on the sideline and the football is going to be played by other people, and so maybe we don't need to get excited by a manager until you know. The, at the at the at the point of his of of their appointment, it's it comes later. But at the same time, um, there are an awful lot of things. Just kind of think, well, what does what does Chris Coleman really bring to it? And um, 
I take your point. I take. I think that is maybe that's the thing. Maybe maybe we just want somebody who's going to come and organise a team. It'll have a little bit of kind of old school dressing room respect. Uh, you know, good good banter. Uh, you know, good stories. Um, you know, and uh, and maybe that's that was traditionally that was what. Um, you know, that was what sort of the Irish team kind of, you know, used to always hear these stories about, you know, like Irish managers losing, taking players, taking the Irish squad away from that kind of, that sort of, you know, we're all in, we're, we come into, we come into the Ireland camp to have it, you know, to have a good time and to get away from our, our stresses and yeah. our, you know, the, the pressures <laughs> I, of, I think of life. one of the issues with Coleman <clears throat> is people will listen to the very coherent argument that Dion just said and all they'll hear is just the death of hope. I mean, we're back to... <laughs> I mean, we're back to like exactly what Stephen Kenny was meant to break. You know, I mean that you're you're like the job description that you just discussed there. The kind of managers we used to have, and we wanted to to move on from. And I'm not necessarily saying you're wrong to say that, but I'm just saying that this is. I think why people aren't into the Coleman idea is partly because it represents that. Well, you see, the, the interesting thing is when when some of us would make a, a case for Stephen Kenny and. Uh, maybe beyond the point that lots of people have given up on Stephen Kenny. One of the things, one of the answers was he's not the only person who can who can play this style of football or who can pursue these 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 grander grander ideas and have this extravagant ambition for the Ireland team. He's not the only one out there mm. because you would say, well, who's who's next? Sam Allardyce, whatever you know. And people, well, that's not going to happen. You know, that was the kind of that was the automatic. Well, that's not going to happen, you idiot. You know, get rid of Stephen Kenny and we will get the next progressive manager in. You you fool you know you you blind fool. I'm just repeating yes. the, the views I got. Uh, I feel like I'm being targeted here. But you know, and now we're left with with Chris Coleman, who nobody can claim. Whatever, and your point is, you know, it, it is a good point. He took a team to you know a semi final, and he he does have that on his CV. But nobody can make the claim that this is anything. In in you know this is somebody to succeed and take over from what Stephen Kenny was doing. Is this the market that we're shopping in now? Though we can't even afford Lee Carsley. Lee Carsley doesn't have vast experience managing senior club teams. It's done brilliantly with the England under twenty ones. But anyway, we 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 don't have the money to push the boat out for him. So whoever we're going to end up with is going to be if it's not Chris Coleman it sounds like it's going to be somebody we're disappointed with Yeah I think so because you know I mean when we've talked about a lot of the candidates we say oh will it be a gamble but like the gamble is us you know <laughs> because I mean not many people have managed the Ireland team and gone on enhanced their reputations with it and gone on to do great things in management okay that's partly down to the age of, of some of the people we appointed and, and the fact that they were at the end of their careers so I think so yeah I mean um, and Coleman is, is free and freely available means that the FBI wouldn't have to pay any compensation which they can't afford and if they can't find whatever 200 grand or whatever is the difference um, in, in negotiation between themselves and car then clearly, yeah. I mean, this is this is the market. Should they just find that money? Shopping. By the way, should they just find a way to pay Lee Carsley what he's worth? Because when you're headhunting somebody, as they will be doing with Carsley, generally you're going to have to give them better conditions than what they're currently yeah. on. At this point, I might be accused of hypocrisy, and, and maybe it is. At this point, I think probably yes, just because he's clearly been the first choice all along. It will look quite bad on those involved if they can't get it over the line, haven't courted him for months. Um, I know that you know the for too long we've paid the senior manager too much um, at the expense of investment in other parts of the game but for that amount of money I think yeah if if if, if that's the only difference you see the frustrating thing with Carsley is no one really knows where he's at mm. you know like he hasn't really said anything okay he seems to have told Shea Given that he was out of the running uh, Brian Kerr is of, of a similar opinion then you read stories like those last week that say there's a difference in valuation and you think oh well that's a negotiation negotiation tactic by someone which means perhaps they're still alive but no one's been able to get a read on whether he wants have, the damn thing yeah and we have saved a lot of money by dragging this out so interminably I mean if we hire him in August <laughs> we're, we're, we're you know like that's yeah, all yeah. the savings we well, need well it should be mentioned the FAI are literally being brought in front of the Oireachtas this week, the Public Accounts Committee, so maybe they would feel it's not a great look at the moment to be paying a manager above what supposedly they intended to pay him in the first place. Yeah, and I would, in general, I would say pay. I I, 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 I agree with Gavin. I think we've gone too far. That We went too far down the road of overpaying managers for a number of years when that money could have gone 
somewhere else. And the idea that there was, you know, if you had, if you could pay a manager four million a year or something, or two million a year, we would, it would solve our problems, isn't right. Because again, the players are the ultimate, like it, it is, it is about producing players. So that money should go somewhere else. But I would say that if you're, you know, that rather than Chris Coleman, if the FAI are, are really sincere about what they wanted to do, they either do two things. For that salary, they say, right, who are our coaches? Who are the people that actually we would say if we had some, if we had some coaching structure in, in, in Ireland, that this is the next person to take over from Stephen Kenny? Like, do we, do we bank, do we gamble on somebody like that within the coaching mm. structure that we are actually promoting? Or do we pay a bit more for Lee Carsey, who at least, who, not at least, like he's got, you know, he's got his record with, with you know, England under 21s, but he's also the, the one candidate at the moment who you could say actually fulfills the criteria that the FAI want. Well, you know, Anthony Barry, does he fulfill well, Anthony Barry, He could be half, he could be free from one of his many jobs uh, if Thomas Tuchel gets sacked after they lost yesterday. Yeah, well, he does, he would, and he also... Uh, and again, this comes back to when do we want to be excited? Like when do we? Because you know he does he does have that slight sort of air of mystery. Like nobody knows what's going to happen with Anthony <laughs> Barry. You know, we don't know how how good or bad he's going to be, and we'll take that or how long you he'll know. stick around. Yeah, yeah, we'll take all that. That's yeah. in. You're in. You know, you know. That, oh, but, but and universal. There will be more or less universal acclaim to the appointment of Anthony Barry. Uh, rather than the appointment of Chris Coleman, which is probably unfair on Chris Coleman. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the key point. I mean, the way the, how to drum up excitement for an Irish manager or the candidate is to put someone forward who we have absolutely no idea how they'll do. I mean, the real reason people are kind of holding their nose at the idea of Lennon and Coleman, we just know too much about them. Mm. You know, and we, you, there's a sense that oh, here we are. It is like your earlier question. It is a kind of reminder of our status in the game, you know, which is maybe no bad thing to get a bracing reality into the wilderness in which we in which we walk. Is that Coleman is probably I mean, looking from outside. Even, you know, the um I refer once again to the ingeniously named Sonny Coleman, who is obviously the son of Coleman. And he like he was messaging back Ireland fans saying, Well what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, still, we don't want your dad. <laughs> just like, I just hope Sonny is involved want? in the press conferences <laughs> if Chris Coleman ends up being a manager. Um, there has been like I, I just think I don't think Coleman would be terrible in fairness but I think it would reflect badly in the FAI to do to say one thing and do another is mm. to appoint to want to appoint a head coach like sorry go ahead. Does, I was going to say does this process reflect badly on the FAI so far because you're hearing stuff come out Dan McDonnell reporting that a chat with Stephen Bradley was scheduled but never went ahead it's not just the length of time this has taken it's just, just various little stories like that that are coming out. You end up getting Damien Duff talking about it being embarrassing yeah. now. Now, whether it's embarrassing or not, just the fact that someone of Damien Duff's stature is saying that about it do, doesn't reflect well. Dion was talking about the whole PR of it. I mean, it's been a bit of a disaster, really, up until now. Yeah, I mean, the end will justify the means, but that's to bring it back to Carsey. If they don't deliver to Carsey, and Dan was writing about this in the end of today, there, it shines a light on those making the decision process. It's gone on for so long. I mean, I can't believe it's gone on for this long. I think it's 13 weeks. We've basically known that, that Stephen Kenny was out the door from last June. Mm. You know, I mean, there's one thing to, you know, not let's not be ringing around and disrespect the man on the job, but you need a contingency plan. And as far as I know, there have been some kind of informal sounding out of Carsley from as far back as last June, just to get the, because when I was looking into whether Stephen Kenny was in danger ever in his job after losing in Athens, I was told that no, because there's no candidate waiting in the wings, say Ali Carsley. So obviously there was an awareness then of his situation. Um, and yeah, we've heard anecdotal stories of, you know, being late for meetings and, and stuff being rescheduled at relatively short notice. That doesn't look well. Now they have cast the net wide. I heard today that they talked to a guy called Anthony Hudson, who was the you at the assistant manager to the US at the last World Cup and has managed New Zealand and Bahrain. Sounds like, good. I mean, Go on. Bring him in. Go on. Uh, they, I, I'm pretty sure he was told last night that he's that he's out yeah. of the running. Oh. <laughs> easy Moment. come, easy go. Like, there, like a Gavin. comet across the sky. Unbelievable. In four years' time, we'll be like, if only we'd gotten Hudson. <laughs> well. Hudson would have solved this. But, but just but it, on that, Gavin, so you you said he's been told, and Neil Lennon reportedly has been told yeah. that he's not. If they're ringing around people telling them they're not getting the job, surely they, we're making all these uh, who should get who should get. They've made their decision. They've got their man now. Surely. Potentially, I can't get a read on whether there's they're merely shorting a shortlist or they've got the top one. Ah, uh, yeah, and yeah. I don't know whether, like, they have to, it has to, um, 
uh, be subject to board approval as of last night the board hadn't been hadn't been summoned now that can change quickly because they can just meet online now so I mean there is a sense obviously Ken is on holidays I mean Ken is basically you know, no, it's going to happen this the, week the, the FBI's child of Prague just send him out there <laughs> and, the, uh, and the weather will turn <laughs> but uh, look we could get it this week in fairness the only thing is like that stuff how long it takes uh, it matters during the process you know it matters like to journalists covering it um, but ultimately, as Gavin says, An important like, constituency. I oh, that's huge, mm. huge constituency. But like, I think the longest this is, I think, I think the the gap between before Trapattoni was appointed was longer than I this d- one. I do feel though that it, it yeah, if for an ordinary FA, for an ordinary club, it doesn't matter at all how long you have to wait. But it's just you know, it's the FAI again. You know. Oh no, yeah, there is that. There, yeah, there is that. There is no doubt that it, it creates. A, a, and again, because you're 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 going from one idea to another, mm. and there doesn't seem to be any clear thinking about what you're you know what you're pursuing. Yeah, um, it doesn't look good. But you know what the point I was going to make was when Trapattoni came on board, because suddenly there was this like up until the week before Trapattoni was appointed, it was between Jared Houllier and Terry Venables. And then suddenly mm. the uh, the the magic you know the magic money tree money arrived and uh, and Giovanni Trapattoni got the job and everyone was like this is this is worth waiting for um, and you know Trapattoni was essentially like okay he had his track record but if you remember the context of the time and it is was that these Irish players needed somebody to get tough with them you know and it was like it was like the Bayern press conference that that was like yeah, that yeah, was yeah, what yeah. Uh, everyone was excited about yeah we're going to get some guy who's going to uh, you know get totally like real proper take, drills are yeah yeah he's not going to yeah. take any messing from these players and um, you know and Trapattoni look Trapattoni you know was fine but would everyone say that was that was money well spent you know i you know as a journalist he was great to be around but it wasn't uh, you know, you you couldn't say that Irish football moved forward under the years of mm. of Giovanni Trapattoni. Um, but again, th- but the point is there there isn't there do, there doesn't seem to be that magic wand at the end of this that we're going to produce somebody that everyone gets excited. Now I think I, the, the Roy Keane thing is still interesting. Mm. Uh, maybe he's I don't know. Not if on Sky yesterday. But it wasn't on Sky. And uh, the, the, <laughs> now the one thing I did note on his on the stick to football podcast last week he talked about how he was kind of done with management yeah and he talked he'd been disrespected disrespected yeah and uh, you know maybe coincidentally I did think of the you know financial packages being talked about in terms of Lee Carsley and stuff and uh, so would that be a, an act of disrespect to uh, to Roy mm. if that kind of because you know it would probably be less than he was getting um it would be less than he was getting as Martin O'Neill's assistant. Yeah. Um, I think he would have been the sixth highest paid manager in Europe based on what, as what he was getting as Martin O'Neill's right. assistant. Right, well, there you go. That, you know, so <laughs> International, internationally. Yeah, international. international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so um, but again, maybe he is somebody that you could, if it, if it isn't Lee Carsey, if it isn't Anthony Barry, the kind of mystery candidate, he's keen to somebody who you would definitely, um, if you were lining up Chris Coleman, as a kind of flyer, you know, you say, hold on a second, no, it's Roy Keane. Yeah. Everyone would be pretty mm. happy about that. But if, if you're, you're going to break your job spec for Chris Coleman, then just do it for Roy Keane. Yeah. You, you'll get national goodwill in a way that seemingly you won't with, with Chris Coleman. But equally, if you're going to break what you're going to, you know, if you're going to break what you should be paying, what you want to pay for a manager for Roy Keane, you probably would do it for Lee, Lee Carsey. Carsey. Okay, well, whoever the next manager is will have a decision to make about his first choice goalkeeper, Gavin. You were writing about Jurgen Klopp's praise of Cuevin Keller. I don't know exactly who is the number one in Ireland, but if they have a better goalie than Cuevin, I have to say, respect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are probably the envy of, of Europe in terms of our production of goalkeepers um, and swimmers, obviously, lately. But yeah, um, yeah Kelleher has, has stepped in for Alisson. He's, he's played 14 games this season now across all competitions which is more than the last two seasons combined and he's been really good I have to say you know he's been he's been really solid and reliable for Liverpool I think there's not I don't think Liverpool supporters get that kind of sense of unease when he plays and Alisson is absent that maybe they had in the past and you know he's been really important to the last couple of weeks made okay not that important against Brentford because they won that pretty easily but two vital saves one on one against uh, against Burnley the week before his distribution is really good he's kind of naturally two footed his distribution might be better than Allison's, I think he doesn't have to kind of do that awkward kind of outside of the right foot pass uh, to compensate for a lack of a, a left foot um, but Bazuna has been playing every week so I mean in the Irish context I don't think you can really argue with the selection of Bazuna as number one and Bazuna's 
is back in form now for Southampton. It was an amazing save. Yeah, popped up like in people's feeds. I would say over the weekend. Arguably more impressive than the Keller save from from Ivan Tony at, at point blank range at the weekend. So, but I think it's exciting to see how well he's done this season at Liverpool, Keller, just because it's an insight into if this guy plays every week. Like, look just how more physical, physically commanding, and how more confident he looks. Just how good he can be. Well, let's just hope that Alisson stays injured for as long as possible. <laughs> Carl, while a couple of people have emailed in about the same Irish player, we need to talk about Nathan, they're saying. Dion, Carl mm. Walsh. Nathan Collins' stock was soaring after his goal against Ukraine. He soon became the most expensive Irish player ever with a move to Wolves. Blah, blah, blah. After patchy debut season, Wolves saw Collins as disposable, even if it could be argued that FFP forced their hand. Brentford sanctioned a club record fee with the assumption that Collins would bank last season's experience and emerge a better player. Any early optimism has since dissipated. He's had the most errors leading to goals of any outfield player in the Premier League this season and Thomas Frank continues to field awkward questions regarding his performances. It's also notable that Stephen Kenny ran out of patience with the player at the end of his Irish tenure. We remember he subbed him against Greece at halftime. Where does Nathan Collins go from here? Are we fans guilty of overhyping a player who had, in hindsight, played very few minutes at the top level? Can Collins emulate another Irishman, Richard Dunn, and forge a distinguished Premier League career after a difficult start? So that one is a long cogent, well-thought-out email from Carl Walsh. Michael Muldoon is snappier. Is Nathan Collins good or absolutely terrible? <laughs> kind regards, a concerned citizen watching Match of the Day after a few pints. <laughs> Chris Coleman doing a bit of research. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's... Uh, he, you know, on, on Saturday he was he was pretty terrible. He wasn't alone in being in being, ter- in being terrible for, for Brentford at the back. Like, he wasn't... Um, he, he, you know, there was it was it was chaotic, and I think one of the things people would have hoped for was that under Frank he would actually get so he would actually improve, and the kind of what the style Brentford were going to play would suit him and would see him come on. But it's just gone uh, now. You know, Liverpool are Liverpool are in such good form attacking wise that um, it's it is now it's it's not even just like you're talking about a player. Um, Playing at, at the Premier League, you're talking about playing at you know the highest, highest you know the league within the Premier League when you're playing a team like Liverpool. But again, it isn't. It wasn't just. It's not a one-off. No, against Wolves. Know. Do you remember that yeah. match a few weeks? Ago? Uh, he was that around Christmas. The one against Wolves when he, he yeah. just gifted them again. When you're playing your former team, it's never good. Just literally gave gave two goals to them. So it's happened a few times recently. But physically, he's 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 like he's impressive. He's big. He's he's got that. He went straight into Wolves, like our email are saying, as part of the leadership group and all this. I always thought that was a, a bit odd. A player so young, but obviously a great sign. And yet, eh, just stop giving goals away. Yeah, no, he does, and he does. Like you know, one of those things, you know. He, he does look the part. He's kind of one of those yeah. players you think like how much even you know now Brentford aren't going to sign players because you know they actually you know they they're well, renowned for their their, their they're data. not just going like, to so, sign so, a player so, based on posture. You know no, what I mean? but no, this is what no, we're saying. He's, he's got, got a great rice. head of hair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a fine strapping lad. We'll sign him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does like I think maybe you know maybe Ireland fans were guilty of that. Um, but uh, in terms of like if you, this guy looks the look, looks the part, yeah. but. Um, he, uh, yeah, it's just not. Um, so is he good or bad? Good <laughs> or terrible? I still kind of, I still think there's a, I still do think there's a player there, and um, I think so. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm going to stick with good. Good, good or terrible? Yep. More good than terrible. Good, good. Um, <clears throat> it's on a scale. I think it's it's obviously leaning closer to good than terrible. It's a rough enough season for him. I think part of it is exacerbated by Brentford. Really do leave him exposed at times, you know, especially, you know, when they start, when they go 1 0 down, they do chase games sometimes. And as a result, Collins is sucked out into huge amounts of space playing at the right of a back three. And isn't always convincing one on one, I find, or anyway, people whose opinions I respect and steal would say that. Um, so it is exacerbated, though, in the team that he's in. To have played the amount of Premier League football he has played at his age is a huge achievement and he will be the better for it. But if Chris Coleman is picking a back three for the Irish team at the end of March, I don't know if Collins is actually in it on form. We seem to have a lot of players like that at the moment. It's like Nathan Collins, Darrow Shea at Burnley. It's great that he's getting Premier League experience, even yeah. if he gets beaten every week. <laughs> Gavin Bazunu last year, brilliant that he's getting Premier League experience. Everyone keeps scoring past yeah. him. We're bigger on minutes than morale, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, feel like but if, you, if you're picking a back three, I think scales... Amabamadele and O'Shea are probably on form are probably in there ahead of Collins Should we be worried about Evan Ferguson by the way Dion you said he's not quite turning into our um, our Gareth Bale at the moment 14 games I think it is now without a goal a lot of them in fairness off the bench No I wouldn't be worried about him 
I, I think he's he's too good and he's got too much potential to be worried. Like it's not, he's very young and you know, these these little dips are, are going to happen. And, you know, it's probably, uh, it may, which would probably be better from the long term, may, may clubs think, you know, where well, we won't pay a hundred million for him just yet. And, uh, and that would be no harm if he has, you know, I, I think the last thing he needs is that yeah. at the moment. So I think I wouldn't be worried at all. Just on the title race, obviously, is a nice nice moment for um, everybody who doesn't want to see Manchester City win the league at the weekend with them dropping points. I was just having a little look at the big chances missed table in the Premier League. <laughs> Join top Erling Haaland and Darwin Nunez <laughs> for all the Nunez bashers out there, of which for some pe- reason people think I'm one. I love watching Darwin Nunez. That Nunez thing, the finish, is maybe the most surprising thing I've seen in weeks. I cannot believe... I mean, I cannot believe... I'm not surprised he tried it, but I'm amazed he pulled it off. But in fairness to him, and I think it was pretty much his only um, BCM of the game. Um, yeah, did Chelsea <laughs> kind of show give us a template as to how to take points off Manchester City? Maybe. Like I mean, they, their counter attacking was very good. Everton showed the week before that there's literally no there's literally no point in going to Man City just to defend because you will concede. Um, but also in the Chelsea template is Erling Haaland uh, missing a whole hatful of chances, putting them wide and not even on target, and you're. Defending Defensive midfielder seemingly have some kind of magic amnesty from red cards because Caicedo <laughs> should have should have gone in that game, if perhaps even in the first half. Um, so I suppose there, we can cling to hope that that Man City are are human um, in the title race. I think that like Arsenal look absolutely brilliant at the moment. I mean, there's you can see how they just kind of anesthetised. Burnley in a way that Liverpool couldn't the week before and we saw how um, superior Arsenal were to Liverpool in the league game at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago so like if you're going to rank you'd imagine like on form Man City probably looked the best then Arsenal second and then Liverpool third but Liverpool's injuries are a problem but they have two things I think in their favour one is the hope that there can be some mass emotional event at Anfield now that Klopp has announced he's out the door that can make a difference and Man City and Arsenal still have to play each other so maybe some kind of mutually assured destruction ideally for Liverpool they draw them each other in like the quarterfinals or the semi-finals the Champions League that would be a great draw for Liverpool and not the other two teams um, but that's yeah that's how I'd see the title race Yeah I'm I'm still a, a Darwin sceptic I'm afraid um, and I I did wonder if um Diogo Jota actually because he was so close he obviously set it up with the header I did wonder did he actually talk him through that finish (laughs) (laughs) because what I've noticed about Jota I think Jota is a huge loss for Liverpool I think he's a massive loss because he's not just not just because he's such an assured finisher but he's such an intelligent player he's so intelligent like you've seen uh, there was another game I can't remember the game where he was actually running with Nunes and he told Nunes where to put the ball and I think he actually does Nunes's thinking for him mm. on like the some pitch. sort of neural link yeah, type, yeah. type yeah. of thing yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think now uh, if John is the last Liverpool player to touch the ball before Nunez gets a big chance yeah the, the, some, the, of, <laughs> some of Jota's like brain will be but he may have just no, no, at the same time like it is it's unlikely that he would have said to Darwin Nunez why don't you just chip the keeper from here <laughs> well in fairness Michael Owen was, says that con- to even consider that finish is madness it's a 1 in 10 2 in 10 finish at best because, because you usually think the keeper if he's gone down early but he was standing up yeah. the goal yeah. and you can an hear almost the, impossible goal to score you can hear the Brentford fans jeering as they anticipated <laughs> this going this yeah. going well, Klopp's face was hilarious so I was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so but I do th- I think Jada is a big a big loss for Liverpool and I still I think the Arsenal game showed it that they're they're still uh like you know, when Klopp announced his resignation, he he gave this line that you know the players have progressed so m- much more quickly than I'd anticipated. So this allows me to to walk away with the you know uh, 2.0 team in in position. But it's actually not the case. They're still really a work in progress. I don't think they're they're anywhere near as reliable as the Arsenal game showed as the you know, the great team Klopp had. And I feel that will will show itself over over the next few weeks. Okay, we're going to leave it there for now because there's a lot happening with the FAI this week. Um, so this might not be your last visit to the studios. <laughs> yeah. oh, I rocked this on Thursday. Oh, we haven't, uh, sorry, we haven't rocked the Arachthus We have while. to get our, yeah. our house in order for Alan Dillon, says the FAI. <laughs> You're going to pay Lee, Lee Carsey uh, the going rage and the wage and no more. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, lads. Uh, there's a winning mentality. I can see it in their eyes. They've got glazed eyes. Got glazed eyes. Glazed eyes. 
what I said to him at the end, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I said, are you ready to win a World Cup? Because we're in it to win it. They've got to trust me. I'm taking these guys into battle. And I'm doing my own stapling. Look, we're not getting carried away, but we're now getting to that point now where we are inspiring. Does a, a struggling salesman start turning up on a bicycle? He turns up in a newer car, Perception. So what becomes of you, my love? Along the way, we're going to have fun. When they have finally stripped you off. I try and laugh several times a day. Sergeant Major spends all his time training his men to be killers and, and make sure that they arrive for meetings on time and dressed in the right way. He doesn't polish his own boots. The bosses are panicking. They're going, oh, cut back. Non-negotiable. The way we play football is non-negotiable. Anyone for a bit more Sunderland Till I Die Season 1? I go on, on. Charlie Methven. Does that name ring a bell? It soon will when I play you the clip. <laughs> thanks for listening today. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Brano. Thank you, all, and thank you, thanks, Brano. Murph. We'll chat tomorrow. Charlie Methvin was the... Forget about Chris Coleman. Methvin was the star of season one of that series, the executive director. Here he is in a meeting to choose the music at the Stadium of Light. So this is Dance the Nights, right? Which, for some people, have some associations with glorious times past, etc. If that short period at the Stadium of Light when everything was going really well, my personal instinct is... New start, fresh beginnings, new sound. Can someone challenge me on that? Um, it's been here since the stadium opened, so it was the run-out music when the stadium opened, or the build-up music. So with a certain age group of fans, I think it resonates. Yeah. It doesn't get you up for it. It's too slow, it's boring, it's like, oh, we're going in the quite, stadium. It's quite dramatic, isn't it? Though? Slow. This is this, this is how I do it when I was a DJ, is you've got to try and build people up, and you've got to try and get the, the atmosphere building through, through a track. If you try and think about the atmosphere that Chris and I agree that we're trying to create, we want it to be rocking in there and a bit, a little bit mad, a little bit like people, some of the fans take pride in the fact this place is going to be a bit noisier, a bit more in your face. One thing I would say is that it doesn't matter what you play unless you get a new PA system. World service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important.